tithes and offerings. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, let each one give as he is made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. I have the Amplified. For God loves, takes pleasure in, prizes above all other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Love that. And then it says, and God is able to make grace, all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in an abundance so that you may always under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And you know, uh, Pastor Zane this morning in the offering brought up um, Psalm uh uh, is it 26, 35 or 35, 26? I always get it confused. Huh? 35, 26 and 27. He, 27, he brought that out and said, you know, God uh, really, if we take pleasure in God's righteous cause, then we can be joyful. And why? Because God is doing something when we sow. And so um, here he says this, he says, God loves, takes pleasure in that person who is joyful to give. And then it says, not only that, but this person scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his deeds go on forever. Why? Because when we plant seed, seed continues to produce. So our finances produce something, and we are so grateful for everyone who sows into New Creation Church. And why? Because that seed causes us to be able to plant seed in the nations and in the city and in all of the things that we do. And so it says, God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. So this made me think about the story that just happened. When we were in Louisiana, we were at the conference and so we were there, and we were uh, uh, it, checking into our hotel room. We had unpacked all of our stuff. It was 11 o'clock at night, and I went to go take a bath, and there was no water. <laughs> no water at all. So I said, oh, we have to go down to the desk. We ha are going to have to switch rooms. That meant we would have to pack everything back up to switch rooms, and so we did it. So we went down, and the administrator of the ministry where we were going was there, and she said, uh, oh, I'm so glad you guys are here. This is just a divine appointment. I wanted to ask you if you would take this visiting pastor uh, from Vietnam, if you would take him to the meeting tomorrow. So we said, yes, absolutely. We were praising God that it was such a divine appointment. Well, now it goes even further. So we go to pick him up in the morning, and he introduced, Pastor Mark is introducing himself to uh, Pastor Noah, and he says, oh, I already know you. And he says, I know you because I've been watching you on your live streams. I've been watching you. And he said, I love when you said this. I love when you shared that. And Mark is thinking he has the wrong person here, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
But really, he had the right person because in interpreting books into Vietnamese for Pastor Mark Hankins, he saw that Pastor Mark Hankins was going to be at New Creation Church in Glenwood Springs. So New Creation Church of Glenwood Springs, he looked us up and he started watching Pastor Mark preaching. So when he started watching Pastor Mark preaching, he followed the different series that he was doing. And so he's been watching us for quite a while. He's been watching us since at least 2019. So he knew exactly who we were. In fact, he was on our flight from Dallas, and he knew who we were then. And he knew who we were when we checked into the the hotel because he was right behind us. We just didn't know who he was. But here's the thing that I love about it. So we, because of what we do here at New Creation Church in Glenwood Springs, we are sowing seed into the nations. So Pastor Noah not only ministers in Vietnam, he also is a pastor to pastors. He has 13 churches that he ministers to. And not only there, he ministers in Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, and there's another nation that I keep forgetting, Myanmar. So he goes to all of those places as well. We didn't even know that what we were doing was affecting the nations, but that's what he says. He says the seed that we sow gets scattered. It gets passed. It gets it produces, and we don't even know the things that are being produced in all of those people. So we have the opportunity to sow and to go as we sow our seed. And I loved that story, and then, you know, he ended up asking Pastor Mark for uh, his notes, his teaching notes, and I turned and I said, Pastor Noah, his notes are not going to be as comprehensive as that teaching that you're listening to. <laughs> Because I've tried to preach off of Pastor Mark's notes, and it's five scriptures. I mean, that's his notes. The Holy Spirit really builds a message. But he said, oh, he said, you meditate a lot, don't you? And Pastor Mark said, yes, I do. And he said, uh, that's good. That's how I study, too. So they're going to be sharing notes now. <laughs> It'll be good. Um, anyway, we have the opportunity to sow tonight. So... Uh, we have many ways that you can give. You can give by text. You can uh, give on the app. You can give uh, by mailing your check to the P.O. box if you want to. Or you can raise your hand and an usher will give you an envelope. So <laughs> go ahead and, and uh, uh, raise your hand if you need one here. Let's pray over this offering and then we'll get on into the rest of the things that we are doing tonight. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to sow. We thank you, Father, that this is your system, Father. This is how we participate in what you're doing in the world. And when we sow our seed, Father, it goes into all of the uh, places that you desire. We continue, and Father, there is much praise that comes forth. Uh, because of our giving. And we just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity and for this privilege to sow into your kingdom. We pray that you would bless this seed, multiply it, and increase our resources for giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can pass those buckets. And tonight, we are continuing with our uh, staff members uh, teaching and ministering Throughout September, we've been doing that. We're going to continue into October. And tonight, it is Pastor Shane Woodham, and he is our campus pastor in Meeker, Colorado. He works with us 
here in the offices. We're so happy he's here. Uh, he does a lot of the pastoral things that you have him call you. You have him check up on you. You have him pray with you, maybe minister to you in different ways. But he also is the ca campus pastor there in Meeker, Colorado. And so we are blessed to have him tonight to minister to us. And why don't you give him a very warm welcome with applause. Praise the Lord. He's faithful and he's good. He continues to be on the throne and he'll never be dethroned. And that's a faithful truth that we can bank on. Amen. Come on. If he was on the throne then, he'll be on the throne tomorrow. Here's the question. Will we allow him to be Lord? You know, I believe God's saying something to us tonight. The songs that were being sung tonight as we begin to sing and you know, worship is this beautiful exchange where as we love on him, he loves on us. Amen. And so that's just the beauty of worship. But if you look at what was being sung tonight, you're the God who fights for me. Come on. And then he starts singing and telling us about the importance of if I look at the lilies of the field. Come on. And then he says, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord, the chief cornerstone. But I believe that God has some things to say to us. Believe that the Holy Spirit wants to impart some truth. Not some, all. But it's depending on how we receive it. Amen? And so tonight, let's just make him Lord. You know, we can come in this room tonight and go out the very same way we came in. But here's the game changer. The game changer is that when we actually lean in, when we begin to look to him, and we begin to actually ask how does that apply to my life? Come on. That is the changing moment. That's where the rubber meets the road when what we hear begins to actually activate in our heart. And it begins to become personal. I love that uh, Muhammad Faridi, the missionary that we support, I love what he said when he was here. He said, this thing reads you. And he was talking about the word. Come on, you don't just read the word. The word begins to read your heart. The word begins to read your mind. The word begins to speak life. Amen. So, you know, before we get into the word, let's just do this. Let's just let him be Lord. And let's just stand and welcome the word right now. Come on, let's just begin to activate what's on the inside. Let's just begin to lean in and just to declare that he's speaking to us. Father, right now, we thank you. That by your spirit, you are opening up doors of utterance. We thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Decisions are being made based off of what we're hearing. Either we're going to begin to go down the route of life or we're going to choose death. But we choose life. And we declare life right now. We declare life in marriages, life in situations, life in the marketplace, life in business, life in relationships, life in things that need to be restored. You are restoring God. You are a redemptive God. You are a building up kind of God. You are a kingdom building God. And I thank you, Lord. The word that is going to be spoke will be Holy Spirit. It will be spoken by the spirit of truth. Because we know the Spirit will only speak only what He hears the Father say. So I thank you that hearts will be receptive. I thank you, Lord. Doors of utterance be open. We thank you lives be transformed. We thank you, Lord, for deliverance taking hold right now. 
We declare your kingdom come, your will be done right here in this part of Colorado that will have an effect from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. We declare your promises to be yes and so be it in Jesus' name. And every person said amen, amen and amen. Man, he's so faithful. Amen. Praise God. Well, you can be seated unless you want to stand up and, <laughs> and just engage or run or jump or however you want to receive the word tonight. But uh, so thankful for our pastors, solid teachers, solid instructors, solid shepherds. Just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. You know, when I look out and I see just the variety of generations, God is so generational thinking. See, when God set pastors here, when he set Pastor Mark and Pastor Tasha here, he had you in mind, but not just you, but those that would go before you relationships being demonstrated for his kingdom. Amen. He saw relationships. Praise God. And I'm just so thankful that our pastors are solid. So solid. And you might say, well, you're biased. You work here on staff. Yeah, but I see the behind the scenes. And here's what I see. When the storm kicks up, God's faithful. When the stuff hits the fan, God's faithful. When stuff is going like this, I hear your Pastor Mark walking down the halls of our office saying, he's faithful. I hear our pastor in the front. I hear Pastor Tasha declaring praises right in the front. We have solid pastors that will not waver. So thankful for that. Amen. Come on, because what flows from the head will flow to the other parts of the body. So that means what they got, you got. That means Christ in them begins to flow through your life if you'll take a hold of it. If you'll begin to hold what he is doing. Amen. So tonight, if you're writing notes tonight, we're going to talk about this conflict within the challenge. Say that with me. Say conflict within the challenge. Let's say it one more time. Say conflict within the challenge. You see, here's the thing. Every person will face trials. You could term it as challenges. Every person in this room, either you are in a challenge right now or you have been challenged in the past, and as you go forward in the future, you will face challenges. And as you face challenges, let me propose this. The conflict is, will you let him be Lord? And I love how the Holy Spirit works. As Pastor Tasha was exhorting tonight about him becoming Lord, that's actually what I was exhorting in Meeker this morning. That as you welcome him, because he's not kicking down doors. He's flipped some tables for sure. But as he's, as he's at the door knocking, he's wanting to be welcomed in because he's Lord. And you see, he wants to be Lord of every single part. As Pastor Mark was talking about in Malachi, that he inhabits every detail of marriage. Every detail. And so tonight, we're going to be talking and unpacking this one truth that you will face challenges. The conflict is, will you allow him to be Lord in the challenge? Amen? And so tonight, we're talking about this, and I know some of these verses, I kind of got a couple of verses, um, so it may not be there in the computer, so just bear with me. We will get to James 1. But (laughs) Luke 12, 32 says, Fear not, little flock. It is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Matthew eleven twelve talks about this. And from the days of John the Baptist until 
Now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I remember Donna Tassler was leading prayer, I believe it was you, uh, months ago, and that verse came up, and she was praying it out, and that verse kept sticking with me. And you, so if you look in the context of what that means, really what was happening is John the Baptist was preparing the way, and then Jesus shows up on the scene, and then he says, I'll take over from here. And Jesus shows up right there, and as he takes over, the crowds and the multitude begin to become almost unable to measure. And Jesus, it says that you can see roofs being ripped out, people pressing into crowds. And as Jesus has people pressing into the crowds, you see that was the violent. There was a tenacity about their faith. There was a pressing in. In fact, I would say that would be the nature of tonight is that I believe we are a getting up people, as Pastor Mark likes to say. You know, I begin to pray about this tonight, and I kept hearing this. I kept hearing my pastor's voice in my heart. I kept hearing, we are a getting up people. We are a people that doesn't back off, but we are a people that continue to press in with everything that God has. And I would just propose this, that what you are deciding tonight will begin to change history. Let me say that again. The things you are proposing and deciding tonight will change history. The fact is that what you are deciding, will it be upon the kingdom that you're building? Or will it be upon your, la- your label? Your, that tongue twister right there. Your label. <laughs> I almost said something else. Your label. I was praying. Uh, we were at the prayer conference, and I was help serving at this prayer conference. And as we were praying in one session, all of a sudden I got this picture. And I saw all these building materials. And I saw the name Jesus and all the building materials. And there was this foundation and every four corners said Christ. And all of a sudden, I saw people begin to take the material. And they walked it over to a different foundation. And as they walked it over to a different foundation, the names that were on the material that said Christ began to change to their name. And you see, here's the deal. What we are building will stand before him. You see, we can have a prasad. We can have great show. But he knows the heart. He knows the intention of every believer. Tonight as we build upon what God is doing. What will be revealed one day. Will be of great all of his glory. Or it will be a devastation of loss. And that's not trying to bring condemnation. I'm saying that to myself. Because in fact I saw some material that changed to my name. So I'm just saying. God wants to build some stuff. The fact is, will Christ be the label which we build it on? on. Amen. Amen. And so tonight, if you'll turn with me to James 1, James 1 chapter, chapter 1 verse 12 says, and this is the NIV. We're going to kind of segue in and out of some different translations tonight. James 1 chapter 12 in the NIV says this, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I love how the New Living Translation says it like this. New Living Translation says, consider it an opportunity. Come on, Pastor Mark was just preaching that this morning. That when we face difficulty, when we face challenges in relationships, whether you're married or you're single or you're about to be married or you're engaged, it's an opportunity. Every challenge that we face is an opportunity. So consider it pure joy. I love this right here. Todd White was here uh, not too long ago, and Todd White said this. He says that when you put a believer on a burning, in the burning fire, they don't catch on fire. Because what's on fire, you can't catch on fire. 
When you put a believer on the inside, come on, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't bowing to the society and the culture of the day where many were, but they began to say, we're going to trust God with our life. And as they were in there, there was another one in there with them. So you know what? No matter what the difficulty is, you may be saying, Shane, you don't understand. You don't see how precious this is. The conflict that, or the challenge that I'm facing, I feel conflicted. I have to make some decisions like tomorrow. He knows. He knows. He's got relationships for you to have an effect for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we have a great opportunity. Consider it pure joy. Amen. And so we're going to look at a passage of scripture here tonight. And um, we're going to look at Mark 4. We're going to go through this, this story. We're going to read it all the way through. And then we're going to kind of go back to some verses and reflect on some things I think that are important for tonight. We're going to talk about three C's that could be detrimental and three C's that are going to get you through. Let me say that again. We're going to talk about three C's that are going to be detrimental to you in the storm. And then we're going to talk about three C's that will be actually getting you through the storm. Who wants to get through the storm? The fact is that, you know what? We will face storms in life. Some are louder, some are bigger, some are small. But I believe that the Lord has some things to say to us in this. So let's, let's go there real fast. Uh, Mark chapter 4. You know this story if you grew up in church. If you don't, if you're new to faith, if you didn't bring your Bibles, we'll have that up on the screen for you. But Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start right there in verse 35, right as the story. This is the story as Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat. He just got done preaching to a crowd, and he gets into the boat, and he tells them we're going to the other side. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to the other side. <laughs> Amen. Verse 35 says, as, even, as evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. So just mark that right there. We're going to come back to that. But soon a fierce storm kicked up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, saying, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man that they asked each other? Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. You see, I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories because it can really show that you can be in the midst of a storm and still have peace. The waves and the water were coming into the boat. Does that sound a little familiar? Maybe a situation where it's like, this isn't just like crashing around. This thing's like in my family. This thing's like in my finances. This thing's like in my body. This thing is crashing around me, and I feel completely consumed by this can anyone identify with that where it just feels like the situation feels bigger it just feels bigger it feels bigger than what you could ever imagine and Jesus looks at him and he said why is it that you have no faith 
Why is it that you have no faith? You see, we're going to talk about these three things. But before we go into these three things, I just want to tell you a little story. I like stories. <laughs> my kids every night, uh, not my two oldest ones, Presley and Foster, they don't ask me, Dad, we tell me a story. They used to. But now as they're getting older, they're just like, all right, love you, Dad. See ya. <laughs> Payson and Brooks, they're like, they, they're in the same room still. And so uh, Foster, or Brooks is over here and Payson's over here. And they're always like, tell us a story, Dad. Tell us a story. So I like stories. I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened in 1981. 1981, uh, two love couples fell in love with each other named Jerry and Pam. Jerry and Pam loved each other, high school sweethearts, uh, just loved everything about life. And so they decided, we're going to do life together. They were super excited. And so uh, years later, a couple of years later, they got married. And so as they got married, uh, they had a little boy named Matthew. So situation of life began to become more real than what they could ever expect. And the father just felt the pressure of life. New job, new wife, and he began to just sink. The waves were coming in. So he began to start drinking excessively to the place where it was now controlling every single decision of his life. Got to the place where he began to look to other women and kind of kept it at bay at first until it just got so out of hand to where there was multiple offenses within the relationship that there was no way of hiding it. So the man just finally just said, Jerry said to Pam, he said, here's what's been going on. She goes, I know exactly what's been going on. You can get your stuff and you can get out of the house. The man was devastated. He said, oh my gosh, I just lost my first love. I don't know what to do. Night upon night, he would knock on her window as she was sleeping at her mom and dad's house. She went back to live with her mom and dad and Mom and dad would take her in, and little Matthew was there, and he was only about maybe not even two. And so Jerry would go, and he'd knock on the window, and he'd, he'd cry. He'd, I mean, yell, yell to the place where cops would have to come. Pam, please, I'll do anything. I'll change, I promise. So after this happened for almost months, every night, Jerry would come. Every night. He would begin to beg, get on his knees. And finally... The dad said to his daughter, he said, I know Jerry's done a lot of heinous things. In fact, I'm pretty upset about him. He goes, but Matthew will always be in his life, and he'll continue to fight to be in Matthew's life. And you can try to remove him as best as you can, but he's going to fight. In fact, I know what's in him. He'll continue to do this, whether if it's at a window or a store. You probably need to just forgive him. And I'm not saying take him back, but you need to ask God to forgive him and that your heart would be open. So she did that very thing. Pam began to seek God and went to church and began to ask the Lord to change her heart. And as she did, God began to reconcile that marriage. And the beautiful thing is, is about three and a half years later, in 1984, a little boy named Shane Woodham came into the world. And I think about this. Sorry. I think about how generational God is when he thinks about family. I think about what God wants to do in a family and what God wants to do to a nation and to a town and to a city. But so often we base it off of us. We base it off of how we feel or how someone's done something to us and 
I share that story because you look at Mark 4 and it just wasn't the disciples, there were other boats. You see, when Jesus does something, it's never just about what you can see right here. It's always about an effect on generations. You see, God is so good, that's why he's called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because when God looks at a generation, he's thinking down the timeline because he's outside of time. You see, he's looking outside and he's looking and he's looking to you. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles that he's looking to and fro to show himself strong. Amen. I'm so thankful that my mom forgave my dad. Because now I got kids. <laughs> Here I am. And you might be saying, well, Shane, that's, that's really great. But here's the deal. It's in those decisions. It's in those moments that God is looking to show himself strong. When you say, I'm going to forgive. Okay, so we're going to go to those three things because we're going to run out of time if I don't get to them. But here's the three things that could be detrimental. You could say these are the three things that can keep you stuck in the storm. Let me say that again. These are the three things that will keep you stuck in the storm. First one, complaining. Complaining. You know, there's this one thing that my dad just would not put up with, and that was complaining in the house. There was a lot of things that my dad, he would look back on. He said, you know, I haven't done everything right. He goes, but we are not going to complain in this house. You are not going to complain about your situation. You are not going to complain about the shoes that are on your feet. You are not going to complain about the shirt that's on your back. And you are definitely not going to complain about the house that I've been providing for. <laughs> Amen. And so here's what I knew. I knew that my dad just drilled that in. We are not going to complain. Amen. And I like this, how Mark Hankins puts it. Mark Hankins puts it this way. He said that when you make a complaint, it is like a rabbit sounding off for the wolves and the coyotes to come get you. Come on, when you complain, that is, boop, that's the enemy going, whoa, hold, hold on. But when you begin to worship him and make him Lord, come on, Psalms 91 is now your deliverance, and you are hidden in the shadows of the Almighty. But once you begin to complain, you are no longer underneath that shadow. Once you complain, it's like the enemy goes, oh, there they are. I didn't know where they were because they were declaring praises, but I, they were lost. Oh, but now because they are declaring complaint, it's like a sounding alarm that the enemy just says, dinner time. Come on, for the enemy is seeking who he may devour. And when that word devour, a lot of times we think of bite size, right? You would think like devouring is like these huge monstrous bites. But no, actually, that word devouring means slow licks. Slowly, slowly. And we wonder how we get to situations and seasons in life and we say, how did I get here? <laughs> slowly, slowly. It's like that movie um, Todd White was mentioning, Nefarious. It's these small yeses of agreements. Just these yeses. Yeah, I'll, I'll complain about this. I'll complain about this. I'll complain about that. Complain about my health. So often we talk about what we have instead of declaring what God already says we will have and what we have now. You see, we talk about what we can see right here. We try to understand an eternal God in a temporal moment. Let me say that again. So often we try to understand an eternal God in a temporal moment. But he's so big and he's so great. It's within those moments that we begin to complain that could be detrimental to get us stuck. Philippians 2.14 says this, do everything. I like to put it like this, do everything in every season. 
Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything. Take out the trash. When you're having an argument with your wife, praise the Lord. (laughs) Do everything without complaining. Come on, don't complain about the one you prayed for. (laughs) Don't complain about the one you were like, God, if you could just give me a wife, and then five years later, you're like, what in the world did I get myself into? (laughs) God, if you could just get me kids, and we get kids, we're like, you know what, I'm just too busy right now. My kids are taking up all my time. I'm taking them to soccer. I mean, we got four kids right now. We got one in basketball, or one in football, one in dance, two in dance. No, three in dance. I'll take that. Three in dance, two in soccer. And just the other weekend, I was like, (laughs) I wanted to complain, but God got a hold of my heart. Psalm 72, or Psalm 78, sorry, Psalm 78, 12 says this right here. They even spoke against God himself saying, God can't. Wow. God can't give us food in the wilderness. You know, they believed God could bring water out of the rock, but could he prepare a table right here? Could he prepare a table? Psalm 78 talks about that, you know what? They said, can God? And all of a sudden, just that question, do you not understand that I'm a provider? Do you understand that my nature as a father is to provide just for your needs? Come on. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. Why? Because you know what? They don't sow for here or there, but guess what? They're provided for all the time. Look at the birds of the air. If he provides for the birds of the air, how much more? How much more? Come on, just like that song. How much more? How much more? Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) So, number one, complaining. Number two, number two, comparison. Comparison. In the society we live in, now I'm not knocking like Facebook or Instagram or now we got this thing called Be Real. I'm trying to figure out what is Be Real. I thought it was like a, like a, like a heart posture, like where you had to like just be, you know, humble about your life. Like don't have a facade, you know. No, it's just it's called Be Real. <laughs> my kids have this thing called be real on their phone. I'm like, what is this? Like, oh, you like, take a picture and then someone else takes another picture. I, I, I know I'm messing this up. Like, I don't even understand the concept as I'm like trying to deliver this right now. I'm just going to be honest right now. I don't even understand the concept, all right? <laughs> but they, think they have this thing called be real. But you know what? We are living in a culture where everyone just shows you the best. Shows you the best. But behind that picture, you don't hear about the difficulty and the indifferences that's going on at the table. <laughs> Right? And we're comparing ourselves, and we're like, I, if I could just have that, if I could just have that, God. But God says, what about what I put in your hand right here? What about the family that I've brought to you? What about the job that you prayed and you believed God, and now you're in the job, and now you're like, well, what about these people, God? I don't know about this. We're complaining about that, and then we compare ourselves with the ones we're working with. Comparing is one of the number one things that will steal you from joy. Comparing is one of the number one things that will rob you and steal joy out of your life. You want to get out of the storm. Stop comparing. You know, there's this place where Jesus sitting there talking. Let's go there real fast. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, Jesus is telling the future of Peter, and he begins to share with them 
someone will lead you here and he's beginning to describe to him about really the persecution that's about to happen. And all of a sudden he looks and he goes, yeah, but what about him? What about him? So often we can, God can give us something. It could be something really great and all of a sudden we're comparing. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I'm really excited about this, God, but what about this? What about that? Comparison is one of those things that can be very detrimental. Very detrimental. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for, say this with me, us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. No race was ever won looking in the opposite direction. No race was ever won looking in the opposite direction. Come on, everything about your physical anatomy. One time I was just kind of feeling a little down about something. <laughs> and God says, look down at your feet. I said, okay, what are you showing me? He said, look at your knees. I said, okay. He said, look at your chest. I said, look at my chest. He said, look. I couldn't look at my head because that's kind of weird. But, <laughs> but all of a sudden I begin to get this picture. Everything's facing forward. We have a God who is continually thinking forward. There's times of regal remembrance, which is great. It's beneficial. We can look back at what God's done, but for us to look back and say that the days were better, the word of God says those are foolish thoughts. You see, everything about us faces forward. When Jesus looked at the disciples, he said, we're going to the other side. I'm sure that he knew there were some things that were going to happen. Come on, this is the same one that perceived the thoughts in the room. And he says, I know what your thoughts are. There's nothing that throws him off. Come on. Nothing that throws him off. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. No race was ever won. Oh, that's my own, sorry. <laughs> but let us run with the race that is marked out for us. So number one, complaining. Number two, comparison. Number three, consumed by fear. Consumed by fear. You see, within challenges, it's going to either grip you of faith or grip you with fear. See, what was within the hearts of the disciples began to be spoken. Don't you care? Don't you care that we are about to die? So what was it? They were afraid about their lives. But yet, these are the same ones that later were going to be persecuted, and they said, you can take our lives. How is it that the same men in the boats that were crying out about wind and waves and a boat that was about to come unapart, un and all of a sudden, these are the same men. Fast forward years later, that when their lives were threatened, being sawed in two, hung upside down, burned, thrown into boiling oil, they'll say, bring it on. How is it something gripped their heart? The faith that God instilled within their heart by the Holy Ghost got a hold of them. Amen? So number one, we'll go over this one more time. Complaining. Number two, comparison. Number three, consumed by fear. And so we're going to move on now to these three things that can bring you to the other side. Three things that will bring you to the other side. Number one, communication. 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 
You see, the very first thing that happened when the heavens and the earth were created, God said, God said, can I propose this to you? What have you been saying lately? What have you been saying about your situation? What have you been saying about your spouse? What have you been saying about your coworkers? What have you been saying about your health? What have you been saying about situations that you feel conflicted with? Do you say with what he says about the situation? Or do you say how you feel? And I know, you, I, know I, I can just hear it. This is, this, is, this is the reality though, Shane. His realities are more real than the reality that you feel right now. The heavenly realities of his goodness and his mercy will be more real when you see him face to face and you cast that crown and you begin to bow and you begin to look at the face that knitted you on the inside of your mother's womb and you'll say, oh my gosh, that reality is more real. Come on, Paul said the things that are unseen are more internal than the things that are, un that are seen. Our communication, do we say what he says about the situation? Philippians 4, 6 says this right here. We're going to read this in the Amplified Classic Version. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance. Does that sound a little familiar, just like we read in James? In every circumstance and in everything, by the power and petition I like this definition of request. You have not because you ask not. Come on, God wants to just hear. God just wants to hear you begin to petition some things. God just wants to hear you communicate his faithfulness into situations. Amen? I like this story and um, there's a little boy that uh, went to a, a Bible camp. And when I was doing kids ministry in Orlando, my wife and I did that for 12 years. And um, I remember hearing the story and it has always impacted me. This little boy went to a kids camp and there was a missionary there from Africa. And so this little boy took home a uh, magnet with the family of their name. And it was just like a, a place of agreement to pray for that family in Africa. So one day this little boy just began to for, literally travail. <laughs> In class, I mean, just the Spirit of God took over him. He's in class, and he just got on his knees and bursted out in tears and cried for this family. He began to cry and cry, and he said, Lord, I thank you for the bars. I thank you for the bars. Kept saying that, thank you for the bars. The teacher said, this is getting out of control. I don't know what to do with this. She called the mom. She's like, your little boy's on his knees crying, thanking him, thanking the Lord for the bars. I don't understand. This is, and so the teacher thought, this little boy's lost his mind. It was so bad, the mom had to come pick him up. No one could console him. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. We got to pray for the bars right here, right now. I mean, there's a test going on. So they brought the little nine-year-old home. His mom said, what in the world's going on? He goes, mama, you don't understand. We're going to pray for the bars right now. So and he goes, this family, remember I went to the kids camp? And she goes, yes, honey, I know what you're talking about. So finally, after about an hour after he got home, he would not stop. That's all he could say. Thank you for the bars. Well, they got a report later, two weeks later, that that family's house was broken in by gorillas and thugs. And wasn't just like four or five. There was about 25 to 30 men breaking into that house. And there were bars on the window. And, that, and those bars, they could not get open. 
from 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the morning, they took every instrument, every device you could ever imagine to get into a house that was protected with bars, chainsaws, you name it. Everything broke. There was a man outside that guarding their house, and they were paid. This man was paid. They shot him. But in the house, the children were safe. The kids that they adopted were safe. Communication. How are we praying into the things that God's called us to pray for? Come on, when you're driving and all of a sudden you feel God impress upon your heart to pray for something, there could be deliverance happening for that family, for situations that you may never hear on this side of heaven, but one day get to heaven and God says there was a people in Glenwood Springs, that got on their knees and began to seek God and begin to press and would not relent. They were a contending people that continued to press despite how they felt, despite how they saw things in the natural. Amen? You guys with me? I feel like, am I, am I intense? I feel like I'm a little intense. Sorry, if I, if I'm, if I'm, if I feel intense, it's just because I've been praying some of these things out and I'm excited. But Job 22, 28 says this right here. Declare a thing and it shall be established for you. Declare a thing and it shall be established for you. You know, I was praying uh, years ago. I was, I was in Florida. And uh, my wife and I were, were in a place where we were just asking God, what's next? What do you want to do? And we thought we knew what we were supposed to do. And then God says, hold on. Nope. Just wait. And so I wanted to do something. I was like, man, I'm going to go start this church. And God says, nope, you're going to wait right there. And I'm like, well, why did you send me here? And for months, all I would just do is just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. God's goodness, he connected me with Pastor Mark, and here we are now. And I begin to ask Pastor Mark, I just said, I feel like I'm supposed to come back. Supposed to come back. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm supposed to just come and help. So as I did that, God began to do some things and open up, and God began to get some stuff back on the track. And I was sitting in my office the very same week that I was hired. I'll never forget this. And I'm sitting in my office, and I'm sitting here, and this is the thought that came to my mind. How in the world did I get here? <laughs> that was the thought. And here's what I heard. Every moment you prayed in the Holy Ghost, this is what you were praying for. Every moment. The communication that the Holy Spirit wants to bring forth some things is determined on your obedience. Will you yield to the Spirit of God, or will you simply just say, I don't, I'm not going to say anything. You see, it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to not say something. Not saying something can be just as detrimental as saying something. Our communication, I believe that God wants to get us to the other side. Amen? And so, number one, we want to get to the other side. It's our communication as we pray, as we trust Him. Number two, I like this one, the church. You want to get to the other side? No solo climbers, as a friend of mine says, as pastors. No solo climbers. No solo flyers. Remember, what did Jesus say? He said, look to the birds of the air. Did you know birds can fly 40 times higher, stronger, and longer as they fly together? They begin to synchronize together. And they'll rotate. Could I just say this? I'm sure there are things you just feel like you're doing on your own. But let me just tell you, there is a people here. 
that will pray, that will declare praises, that will lift you up. I like, and I'm, I hope I get this right, but Pastor Tasha said this, that the church needs you on your best day. Say it for me. I like that. Come on, there's times. There's times that you're just going through things, and I can't tell you, I can testify personally that uh, there, was a, there was a season that my wife and I were walking through when we were facing some health challenges with our, at the time it was three, Brooks. And so we moved back to Colorado, and this is only months after we got on staff here, and we were here, and we got this report from the doctor after him having migraines and throwing up. We just thought, well, we just came from Florida, and now he's disoriented because he's in high, you know, altitude. And so we're sitting in the doctor's office, and the doctor said, your son has something called a Chiari malformation. And I said, a Chiari what? What in the world is a Chiari? I said, well, a Chiari is where the back of the brain has no space, and it's just suffocated. Not only that does he have a Chiari malformation, but the, the, the very end of his uh, spinal cord is tethered, and it's pulling down on that brain, so it's even worse. They said, we've seen this in people that are 24, 25, that are this bad, but we, we have not seen this in a three-year-old like this. This is not good. So I remember walking out of that room, <laughs> felt a little defeated. But I just heard, we are getting up people. We are a people that shall not back off. So we began to declare praises unto our Lord. And we declared, miracles shall be done in Brooks's body. We named him after John 7, 37, 38. Who he believes in me, streams of living water shall pour out from him. We named him after that, and it just felt like the river was a little dry at that moment when we got that report. But we just declared praises unto his name. And so we were believing for a miracle, and after months and months of just testing and different things, he had to have surgery. And so they told us, Here's the, here are the cautions that we need to let you know, the disclaimers, if you will. These are the things that could happen, and they told us that all these things could bleed out, could this happen, and da-da-da-da, and have him not do this surgery, it could be detrimental if he were to get hit. And so they told us could be paralyzed, could, you know, worst case, life could be lost if he was hit a certain way. So we just said, you know what, we're going to trust God. We're going to believe God to just guide the hands of the surgeons. And God was so faithful. He came through the surgery within about four hours and he came out. And the doctor, who was not a believer, we'd pray with her and she would just say, I'm glad that you believe in that stuff, but I don't believe in that stuff. She came out of the surgery room and she said, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a feeling on the inside that says, do this, not that. I said, yeah, that's called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> she said, well, I had that happen today. She goes, by the book, I'm supposed to do this. But there was a feeling on the inside that says, do this. And she goes, and I watched your son's brain pop into place. But the part that I really want to get to is there, were a mo there was a moment during his surgery that I was pacing the halls. And I remember the peace of God surpassing all understanding. In the natural, I should have been worried when they were telling me, your little boy could bleed out. We just need you to know that. But he's going to be in good hands. But here's, here's, here's the possibility. I remember walking down and I was on the phone with my grandmother down in Florida, and she's like, what's going on with little Brooks, honey? I said, well, Nanny, I said, I don't know. He's still in surgery right now. I said, but I just have so much peace. I believe as I was in Denver, there were people right here. There were people up in Meeker.
There were people in Florida. There were people in different states that were praying. The prayers of the saints availed much. The prayer of the righteous man shall avail much. Amen. And I just felt the prayers. I know it sounds super cliche-ish, but I just sensed the goodness of God as I walked in those halls. The church was an undeniable force that I could not deny that they were praying. John 7 says this, or 17 says this right here. I'm going to have to hurry because we are running out of time. But John 17 says this right here. One of the last things Jesus prayed, he said, I pray that they'll be one as you and I are one. You know, I was praying months and months ago and I saw, just had this vision of Christ on the cross and different ligaments and tendons being ripped open and, and, and being dismembered. And I heard this in my heart. He was dismembered so you'll never be dismembered in the body. He was dismembered so you'll never feel out of place in the body. You have a place right here. And your supply is very important. Amen? So number one, your communication. Number two, the church. Number three, we're going to end on this. Consumed by love. You see... The first thing we talked about that could be detrimental is consumed by fear, but we're going to end on this, consumed by the love of God. You see, the love of God is everything. To understand God is to understand love. It's funny, because when I talk to little kids, I've been helping out in the Iwanas, and uh, some of the kids that will try to describe me as they don't know my name, they'll say, the bald guy. <laughs> the bald guy. You know the bald guy. You know a funny bald guy? That guy. I would say in the same way that as a kid would describe me, the first thing they noticed is me being bald is the first thing as us being children of God that he is love. When you're trying to describe him and you're trying to relate to someone who maybe doesn't know him personally, you say, he is love. How do you want to understand him? He is love. I remember that was the first initial part that consumed my heart when I said yes to Christ when I was 19. When I said yes to 19, when I was 19 years old, the love of God flooded my heart and I just wept like a baby. And since then, I haven't stopped crying about his goodness. <laughs> haven't stopped getting moved by that love. Because that love of God, the love of God is not weak. The love of God is the most powerful, significant thing you could ever comprehend. It moves beyond understanding. It moves beyond what any education could ever try to instruct to you. The love of God will move beyond boundaries which you could never understand with your human brain. The love of God. You see, that's why I love this. I, man, I need to hurry. I'm running out of time. There was a man that just got saved recently at our Meeker campus, and as he got saved, I was meeting with him, and we were doing some... Uh, discipleship, the first session, the very, the very thing that he said to me after we got done praying and talking, he said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and he began to weep. He goes, I need to forgive my mom. The very first thing. I didn't teach him that. I didn't tell him, hey, you need to forgive this person. That was the very first thing. He was just moved by the Spirit of God. Oh my gosh, I need to forgive my mom. The very essence of who he is is love. I'm going to end on this. I'm going to end on this. 
2008, there was a man named Manny Pacquiao who was a professional boxer from the Philippines. You probably know about that, Tony, from the Philippines. Manny Pacquiao was uh, just this phenomenal boxer. And so from the time he was 12, when he got into the ring in the Philippines, and then, you know, just in a nutshell, he got transported over here as, his, uh, as he began to really progress into his game. And so as he began to dominate, really, the, the light division, uh, there was someone who offered him a second weight division, which is two tiers above his weight. And Manny Pacquiao looked at his trainer. His trainer is named Freddie, Freddie Rolsch. And Freddie Rolsch said, if you could lead with your left hand or you could lead with your right as you've been leading with your left, he's what you would call a southpaw stance. A southpaw stance is where you lead with your right, you jab with your right, but you have a nasty left hook. Manny Pacquiao watched other people go from this division to that division. They would, they would gain weight. And as they would gain weight, they could not keep up their endurance because of the weight that they would put on. Well, Manny Pacquiao just was told by his coach, if you could learn to lead also with your right, if you could learn to lead with your right as hard as you could lead with your left, you'll win this. So Manny Pacquiao, he began to put on weight and train, and he would do all kind of different things. And just for time's sake, in 2008, in December, he won and beat Oscar De La Hoya, which everyone said, which is the craziest thing you'll never. And if you look at this picture, look how he's leading. He's leading with his right hand. This was one of the most detrimental hits to Oscar De La Hoya. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because often in life, we're like, I'm a South Paul. I lead with this. But God says, what if I were to get involved and help you lead with the left? And you see this happen in Acts 1.8. Jesus shares with them, don't go anywhere until you're endued with power. See, the disciples were leading with, with Christ, leading with Christ, leading with Christ. And they're like, yeah, we know how to do this thing called following God. We know how to do this thing called being a Christian. We do it with Jesus. And Jesus leaves, and they're confounded, like, what do we do? And he tells them before he dies, you'll be endued with power. I was praying about tonight. And if you'll stand up, we're going to go ahead and end. I know I am over, and I want to not take up the rest of your time tonight. But I have two things for those who are believers, and maybe tonight or maybe those watching, you are not a believer. Maybe in life you've been leading with just this, but God says, I want to lead you with both. You see, it takes the act of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence. And when he takes up residence, now he begins to lead. So you're no longer leading this way, but now you're ambidextrous supernaturally. Where you've just been so solo-minded, so single-minded about yourself. Now God says, you know what, we're going to switch up things. And I want you to lead with this. With your eyes closed tonight. What have you been saying? 
Have you been complaining? Maybe that's just how you've been leading as a southpaw with the right hand. But God says, now we're going to switch it up and we're going to lead different. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Christ. Let me just tell you this. I know these words will never come close to the glory that's due to him. But it is the best decision I've ever made in my life. And if you don't know him personally, or maybe you've been falling away, it's time to come home. It's time to give your life and let him be Lord of everything. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every person standing as they walk out this room, I pray decisions that will be made will not be solo-minded or single-minded, but it will be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would know the importance of their communication. They would know the importance of the church, the body that they are joined to, having a supply. I pray that they would understand the consuming love of God. And I pray right now, lives be changed and transformed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, I just thank you so much for hanging in there. I know I'm like six minutes over, so I apologize. But God is faithful and he's good. Amen. God is faithful and he's good. Come on, give him glory. He's faithful and he's good. He's faithful and he's good. Amen. Could I just do one thing to obey? So as we were praying, I hope I don't embarrass you. We're just going to obey God. But just as we were praying right here, just heard the Lord say, the season's changing. The season's changing. And it's going to be good. Amen. He's faithful. Amen. He's so good. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, thank you for coming tonight. And uh, let's say this together as we go. Say, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You guys make it a great night. God bless you. Remember to go get your kids on the other side of the property. (laughs)